how many weeks in a row is this now, Brian? I believe it is four, as in cuatro, as in catorce, as Bono would say, and people wonder why he has trouble raising money for charity. (laughs) Four weeks in a row. Wow. That's right. So we are live coming to you uh, on Tuesday, July 28, 2020, in the year of our pandemic. Uh, how you doing, Mickey? I'm doing okay, for the most part. A little tired, having some early early days this week, but otherwise I'm doing all right. How about you? Same here. Uh, had some early days. It's going to get hot this week. Uh, the forecast is 105 degrees Fahrenheit on Sunday, and it's going to be quite toasty. So we've been trying to get back on the morning schedule. What that means is Brian tries to get up at 5.15 and get the family up and go for a walk before it gets hot, but also before it gets noisy. Because living in suburbia, like I do, we have cars, we have people mowing their lawn, and it just it disturbs the peace of the morning. So I like it when it's just fresh. Now, do you get the entire family up and you all go for a walk? That is the goal. Because being in lockdown still, the children in particular, but, you know, I've always been an enthusiast of the indoor sports and sitting on my tuchus. But the children did much more exercising. Uh, As I mentioned before, my son, for example, plays water polo and swims. My daughter also swims a lot and plays tennis and does track. So it's we're just trying to keep them from turning into mush pots. Gotcha. I'm not sure I could get my kids up to go for a walk at 5.30 in the morning. Let's just say this morning threats were issued for the boy. My daughter, on the other hand, was just did the best mood as could be. Uh, so it worked out very well. I don't see it happening tomorrow, though, because I think we're going to have kind of that whiplash effect. So I'm going to try and shoot for something a little more mellow, like 6, 6.15. Once again, you got to do it before 7, because by 7, the people that are going to work, the cars, and then the the people that work on the lawns and stuff around people's houses, as well as we have a lot of the common areas and the, you know, stuff like that. They like to use machinery, so the blowers especially are what drive me absolutely insane. Well, you know me. I usually have been getting up early, and I've been getting up early now with the new dog at 4.30 every morning. And But also, a lot of my work day has actually been starting at about 6 a.m. So either with meetings, because I'll have, I have some of my buddies that I have buddy meetings with at GitHub or in Europe. So therefore, I meet with them about 6 a.m. my time, which is about after lunch their time. I'm in a book club with two people from Europe, and we're meeting at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And then, of course, I'm, I'm working with a customer from 7 to 9 every morning this week. So I've got some early, early mornings this week. Yeah, well, you know, you've got a new child now with that, that puppy of yours. What's the name again? His name is Ollie or Oliver, short for Oliver Queen for Green Arrow. And 
Um, he has gone from seven pounds to almost forty. Oh he's, dear! He's huge. Huge. And he still he still thinks he's a puppy though, because he still um tries to hop in my lap and sleep. Oh, so, that's got to hurt. He's 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 really cute. I have to admit. Oh, that's wonderful. So let's coronavirus update ourselves, Brian. What do you I'll got? go first. You go first. All right. I'll go first. So school starts up here in Tupelo in two weeks. Now, there is a town north of me called Corinth that started school today with separating their kids with six foot little dots on the floor and masks and all that jazz. So we'll see how that goes. But speaking of masks, something I didn't anticipate is masks are now the new fashion accessory. So it doesn't it doesn't do just to get the little disposable mask, paper disposable mask that you put over your face. Now it's about getting masks that potentially also go with your outfit or are stylish. So I, I never would have anticipated that back in March that in August masks would be something that we have to have that matches our shoes or our belt. Yeah, I've noticed that some people are very much into that. We have the disposable set. I did order one because I am a big geek from the folks at Paramount via the Star Trek store. So I got two different masks. Unfortunately, they are not large enough to cover my big fat face, uh, particularly because I have facial hair. And so you're going to want to get better coverage. So they're more decorative than anything. But yeah, I got some of those. I've noticed that a lot of people tend to go for one of two things. If they're going to go non-disposable, they're going to go with a solid color, black being one of the most popular that I've seen, or people go wild and crazy, right? With paisleys. And I've seen some where women have taken um, parts of their unmentionables and turn those into face masks. Have you seen the face mask where people have taken a picture of themselves smiling and then had it printed on the face mask? Yes. I saw one, a good friend, uh, Doug seven. He had one that wasn't really him, but it was kind of weird and creepy. It was funny because the guy's kind of smiling with a cigar in his mouth. And so that made me laugh. But yeah, people are doing the, the the ones of their actual real faces. And then, of course, you have the weird ones where it's got a clear section over the face. So you can see people smile, but it's still a mask. And yeah, I think we're going to see some evolution of that. I, I kind of want to just go for broke the next time I, I have to travel and get the full face shield. Just wear the shield. I've ordered a couple of different ones. I have like some of those, like the black ones, standard black ones. I have some disposable ones I've ordered as well so that if I do ever start traveling again, I can have a kind of a combination. I want to have, I want to have a lot of options, I suppose, when, when it gets around to that. So I'm going to try to get my girls some, some, a couple of nicer masks just because, I mean, they're going to have to wear them to school. So, and I don't want them to not have what they need. Yeah, so our kids aren't going back to school. Uh, being in California, we have a, um, at least where I'm at, I, I don't keep up with the whole state. I just focus on where my kids go to school. With them both being in high school and at the same school, it was a little easier. It's just like, okay, they go to the public high school. 
they're not starting school uh, in person. It's going to be distance learning. So we'll be dealing with that. Um, but on the mask front, right now we're just mostly doing disposable. I've got one on order from the the band Hailstorm. So I'm excited to get that one coming. But so far, the misses and the kids have shown no interest in any type of designer masks. So we'll have to see what happens. That said, um, I've seen the ones that have what appear to be filters in them that are black and stuff. And I don't know what type of filters they are because I have some N95 masks. We've got two years ago, we had some fires. And those are the ones that, you know, they're 3M. They, they're for doing paint and stuff like that. So I have those for like those specialized occasions. And, you know, it's like, don't at me. If, if I'm going to go someplace that I'm worried, I'm going to wear that and, you know, suck it at this point. But I'm not sure about the ones I've seen where like it's black and it's got like a, a have you seen them? They got like the vent or something on the side. I have. I don't necessarily know how well they work. And I'll be honest, masks, as you know, most of these masks are more designed to for you not to give it to somebody than for to protect you from getting it. Yes, I think we may have discussed this before, but, you know, it's kind of that uh, whole analogy about why you wear pants, right? I'm I'm often wearing pants to keep my stuff off of you, not the other way around. And I think it's just courtesy. I don't know if I have it, right? I I have had no reason to get tested, but I could be asymptomatic and be a carrier. So I'm not going to do that. So that's why I wear a mask. And I hope that other people will too. So you had some other things though that were going on. I concur. I concur exactly with what you said. Yes. I left my house for the first time in months to go to the dentist. So, you know, I, I leave the house to go to the place I fear the most. And it, it it was fine. I, there was nobody in the waiting room when I got there. They obviously were wearing all their masks and doing everything they're supposed to do and ultra careful, wearing shields, all that jazz. So it, but so it was it went okay. But it doesn't make me want to leave my house any more than I have to right now. Considering you know Mississippi just announced fourteen hundred new COVID cases today. But the 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 thing I really want to point out is a news article that. A friend of mine sent me today because today there's a Houston doctor, doctor from Houston, Texas, that's been talking about hydrochloroquine and how face masks aren't necessary to stop the contagious transmission of the virus. And there's a bunch of and again, I we don't talk political on this, so I'm not talking political, but there are a bunch of people in the political realm that have been retweeting and, and pushing out her videos and all this. And now all of that stuff has been taken down because of some other claims that she has made, including the fact that, um, let me see, let me get this claim right, that um, met certain medical issues, such as endometriosis and all, are actually called by, caused by demon sperm, and that the government is not being run by humans, but by reptilian aliens. Wait, wait, wait. And this this is, sounds like an this, episode of V, the television series. Exactly, it does. But this is a doctor that is saying that that, that drug that got disqualified as being a good COVID um, vaccine or, or cure is an actual cure. And got up, I think, in front of the steps of the Supreme Court today and started saying that. And it got picked up by a bunch of political people pushing all this. And then it came out that she also believes in... Uh, demon sperm. 
Well, get yourself so, some demon sperm, and uh, there we go. That just goes to show you that you need to do your research, folks. There's a lot of information out there, good and bad, and you need to make sure you do your homework to find the best information. However, the best place to find any information about DevOps is this podcast. But first, before we talk DevOps, Brian's waving at me. There was a flying insect in my office. Uh, okay. I want Brian to give his coronavirus update. Well, I mentioned the school already. The kids will be starting school next month, end of, end of August for us. And uh, however, COVID has uh, struck closer to home. Uh, it starts with my extended family. One of my uncle's brothers, uh, who lives here in Southern California, uh, passed away uh, last week. Um, due to complications related to COVID-19. Like a lot of people that are what we would call higher risk, COVID-19 was not the only reason. Did it contribute significantly? Yes, it did. Um, He was, I don't have his exact age, I wouldn't share it anyways, but he was in his 60s, so not old, because I'm not that far from 60, <laughs> and so I look at it as not being that old, whereas when I was a teenager, of course, 60 was ancient. Um, so that was disheartening. Um, so my uh, thoughts go out to my uncle and uh, his family. Uh, this is my m- mother's sister's husband, so it's not blood relation uh, in that regard as far as the person. And then... The one that's even closer, though, is direct family. My father's mother, who is in a retirement community and unfortunately has is in a memory care ward, uh, tested positive on Saturday. Oh, no. Yeah, so she is 93, uh, obviously high risk. However, my grandmother's an amazing woman. I'll spare you all the statistics, but she's 93. She's outlived all her husband's all her children, and all of her brothers and sisters. So if anyone's going to beat this, it's her. And the good news is she is asymptomatic at this point. Unfortunately, they were doing really good. They had no cases in the entire facility, which has both a memory care, so people that are kind of locked in, and then other um, older adults that could come and go and have their own kind of own apartments. They had no cases up until July. Um, but like a lot of states, California kind of restrict, uh, not restricted, loosened the restrictions in June. And so it's hard to say how it happened. Um, but we do know a staff member got it. We got alerted to that. And within a week, my grandmother was tested and was tested positive and multiple people in her memory care ward tested positive. So folks believe what you want to believe, but you know. I've got one person who's died, and I'm praying that my grandmother, uh, you know, my grandmother's 93, so I'm, you know, it's whatever happens. I just don't want her to suffer, and it's kind of crappy that I couldn't see her for months, and we did such a good job, and then now it was kind of all for naught. I should have gone seen her because, you know, with her age and her memory, she's having a hard time remembering even me. So, you know, people take it for what it is, but I think this is real as anything, and so... um don't at me. Don't talk to me about COVID. Uh, I'm doing my best. So anyway, let's talk about DevOps. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Brian. Thank you. And obviously I think I speak for all our listeners and that we're going to keep her in our thoughts and prayers. So let's talk some DevOps. 
Thank you. Well, before we talk DevOps, let me tell you what I've been up to, Brian. I have been doing a couple of different things. I've been working with the same customer again this week on Azure test plans and Jira integration and integrating Jira and, and Azure DevOps. So been learning some things around Azure test plans. Um, learned, learned a couple of new things that I didn't know. So overall it's been, it's been, it's been good. I think the customers got a good bit out of it. Personally, I've been auditioning for some more audible books, but nothing's come of it yet. It's kind of like auditioning for parts in a show or parts in a movie. You do a lot of auditions and you never hear anything back. So it would seem to me that the entertainment industry and thus, which is somewhat what you're doing here is an extension of that. Uh, is ripe with ghosting, right? You just never hear back. Exactly. You 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 don't, and that's just part of it. Yeah, I've noticed um, a lot more. I've I've read it on LinkedIn. I've seen it on Twitter, and I've talked to people that in the professional space, in our industry, even specifically, f- run into that as well. To the point that you just never hear back. But also, you hear the other side, which is companies say. They try and get someone to come back, and they never reply. It's just ghosting is is become an okay thing to do. It seems on both sides of the 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 job market, and I think that's kind of crappy, if you ask me. I would agree. It would be much nicer if you could get responses back in all of those situations. And there are some authors that you audition for that come back at you and say, "No, you know, you're not right for it, but thank you." But more more than likely you, you don't hear anything. So I'll keep going and sooner or later I'll hear something. Awesome. What have you been up to? Well, we're about to hit our big milestone on an app I've been working on for the last few months. Uh, we're going to go alpha and our first deployment is in the country of Australia. So this is for a large multinational company and they have locations all over the world. And specifically, though, we're going to work with some folks down there. And it's been really awesome. I'm going to have some nice stuff to write up generically in the future about both building the application, which is run on, runs on top of Azure, but how we're able to use Azure DevOps and the tools to make our life better. And also, which we're going to talk about later in the show, where sometimes you run into this impedance mismatch in your brain between what I should do as a good DevOps engineer and what I want to do to meet my deadline and get stuff done. Um, so that's been real exciting. And it's been interesting to really think about what goes into making a production app because over the years I've built a lot of demos. In fact, you know, I made a mini career doing work for Microsoft building demo apps, things like blue yonder airlines, for example, and Fabricam fiber, you know, we built fake websites and fake fake apps for phones and tablets and all that stuff. But building real stuff is is really cool. And I salute every developer and DevOps team out there that builds it. And then, you know, the great thing is I'm building it and we're running it. So we do it all. It's it's really fun. So that's what I've been up to. Sweet. I can't wait to hear more about that once you can can talk more about it. That's gonna sound pretty awesome. Yeah, it's really neat. Using a lot of cool stuff, Azure Functions, uh, SQL Database, Azure AD for authentication, um, and lots of .NET Core. Sweet. So I have a couple of news items I wanted to bring up, if that's okay with you. Oh, fine. We can have a little bit of news. So did you know that Git is an open source project? (laughs) Yes, I did. 
Did you know that a new version of Git just released? You know, I did not see that today, and I have not got the it's time to install a new version of Git pop up on any of my machines today. What's going on? So the new version of Git just released, Git 2.28. And if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you realize that Mickey doesn't know as much about Git as he really needs to know, especially working for a company called GitHub. But I'm working on that. But there's a lot of, obviously, features and bug fixes that were added. But the one I want to highlight is they introduced a new, I think it's a new configuration option called init.defaultbranch. And this is a value you can set that will set what the default branch name should be whenever you do a git init. So when so if you have this value, if you don't have this value set, it's going to default to master. However, you can set this value, and then when you do create a new repository, the first branch it creates can be main, or can be default, or can be whatever you want to call it. And I I like this change because it, it ties into some of the things that GitHub and, and GitLab and Bitbucket and other people are making to move away from calling our default our our our, our default branch master branch and instead moving toward calling it main or something else. So I like the fact that this has actually been introduced into Git itself. Sweet. That's good news. I didn't realize that. Awesome. Now, um, there's also, if you're wanting to learn more about this whole renaming repos thing, especially on GitHub, there is a repository you can go to. If you go to github.com slash github slash renaming, there's a whole repository that talks about why GitHub is changing from the having master branches to having main branches, resources in there on how to on how how we're going to be doing this and 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 how you can do it. So it's a great re- read if you want to understand why GitHub is is moving in this direction. So I want to point out that resource to people. But the announcement I'm really excited about was announced today. Brian is trying to kill a fly. It's so funny to watch on the video. I wish y'all could see this. Um, and that is GitHub Today announced their GitHub public roadmap. Now, those of you that have listened to us and 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 are used to Azure DevOps know that Azure DevOps has had has has had public roadmaps out there. But this is GitHub's first time to announce a public roadmap that shows you all the stuff that's coming. And there's a project, if you go to the repo, there's a project board in that repo. And from that project board, you can then drill down into specific issues that contain the details of some of the cool new stuff that we have coming in the next few quarters. So if you want to know what's happening, that's the place to be. Well, this is exciting to see. I know that I've talked to a number of GitHub employees over the last six months, some of it in a professional capacity, as well as sometimes in my capacity as a Microsoft MVP. And it's been something we've asked for a lot more, some visible transparency about where they're taking things, particularly now that we're kind of seeing this push towards a more united vision of DevOps out of Microsoft and GitHub and this is something that goes a long way. So you got the blog post, and if you drill down in there, there's actually this new public repository you can look at. 
And so this is really nice to see that we're going to have the ability to see what's going on. And as Mickey said, if you go into the repo, you'll see that there is a board tracking by uh, quarters. So we got Q3 2020, Q4 2020, um, and then we go into Q1 and the future beyond that. And they've got tags. Um, so you can filter the issues and look at them and find things that you're interested in. Maybe you want, you're interested into things like security, um, or maybe you're into self-host, so you're concerned about GitHub Enterprise, so there's a tag for that. Uh, I'm also seeing tags for, obviously, GitHub Cloud. Uh, what else do we got? GitHub One. And then, uh, oh, we got tags on there when it's available, shipped, if it's done. You'll see some of that in the, the third quarter one. So yeah, I encourage you to take a look at that. We'll have the links in the show note, or you can show notes, or if you can't wait, fire up your favorite search engine and look on the GitHub blog uh, for today, uh, July 28th, 2020. And, and one thing I'd like to point out is it's also starting to trend right now on Hacker News. And one of the comments on Hacker News was there's no dark mode on the roadmap. And what's interesting about that is Nat Friedman, our CEO of GitHub, commented back saying dark mode is coming. It's just it, we haven't, it's not on the roadmap yet, but dark mode is coming. Now, what I thought of that was cool for two reasons. First off, we're going to get dark mode. But second off, the CEO of GitHub is responding back and answering people's questions on, on Hacker News. I thought that was really freaking cool. Yeah, I think that is really good. You know, Nat, when he was a Xamarin, worked hard to try and be visible, and he's done a good job at GitHub. You know, we had the same thing in Azure DevOps when Brian Harry was running the show. He was, you know, had a blog, was very transparent. I like to see that from leadership. I know Satya Nadella is incredibly busy, but I think he's quite an inspirational person. I'd, I would like to occasionally see him just show up and surface in the random locations. Like it'd be fun, you know, on Twitter or something. But, you know, I understand kind of busy, run a big company and everything, but um, it is nice to see Nat out there. It happens. You know, you get busy running a, huge 120,000 person worldwide company, you know. So Brian, what do you want to talk about? Okay. So this is coming straight from the heart. You know, I work really hard when I do training and consulting and speaking about DevOps, particularly when I focus on things I use day to day, which one thing is Azure DevOps. And in doing so, a very popular area of discussion is the pipelines. So building and releasing your wonderful things you're building, this value that you're trying to get out. And there's all these things we talk about as best practices, how to do things, how you got to get your pipeline set up, how you have to maintain it. And I run into two different issues that I want to bring up. One, performance. We talk about shifting left, moving fast, delivering value. But there's something that you can't help but get frustrated by when you can't get things to move as fast as your brain is moving. Now, Mickey knows I often get my mouth moving faster or moving my brain moving faster than my mouth, right? So the words don't always come out. <laughs> So let me explain that. So what happens is Brian will will start talking and he's trying to talk about a concept and then suddenly he skips about 
10 words in whatever he's trying to say and just assumes that I'm going to figure out what those 10 words are. And I didn't used to say anything about it. And finally, about a year ago, I mentioned it to him and he went, really, I do that? So it's really quite interesting to watch. So if you ever meet up with Brian at a conference, whenever we have conferences again, keep a watch out for that. So Mickey's telling no lies, and I've been working harder uh, on that problem. But let me get to a specific example of what I've run into. I'm building a solution that has multiple pieces. So we've got a web application, we've got an Azure function, we've got an SQL Server database. They're all hosted in Azure. And then I've got my local test configuration on my machine. Then I have a dev environment up in Azure. I have a test environment. And then there's prod. Now, I'm actually maintaining four different apps right now. We've got one kind of small one, a bigger one. And then we have this new big one that we're working on that's not even in production yet. So the point is you go through that cycle and it's it's that whole inner loop, outer loop developer cycle, this friction of, okay, I think I've got it working locally. Now I want to see it out on the web. So what do I do? Well, I'm trying to practice good hygiene with my development team because I'm writing code, they're writing code. So what do we do before we commit our code? Well, you test it locally, run unit tests, all the good stuff. But when you're ready, you create a pull request. And because I'm an Azure DevOps MVP and I'm an engineer, I've set up our pipelines to do good things like run code scanning, uh, make sure you do all the tests. And then I found this really great feature in Azure DevOps that we'll have to probably have another show on, which is during your pull request, you do a build, but the build isn't the end all be all. What I often want to do is then deploy that into that shared dev environment. Then that way, if there's something wrong, I don't even bother trying to get into test. Well, you start adding all that stuff up, all these checks, these validations, these things to make your code better. And what does it do? It takes longer. And I find myself reaching for the mouse and in Visual Studio, which is my primary development environment, looking for that beautiful option, right-click, publish. But you're talking about right-clicking and publishing to dev, right? Yes, but it still so, feels dirty and wrong. Right. No, no and, it, and it is because you're still having to right kick publish to dev, and then you've got to go run all, do a bunch of manual testing and do a bunch of stuff to make sure it works. So in reality, you're not really saving yourself any time by doing that. Well, again, so what I found is there is the speed of what it takes to get things done, and then it comes back to the, my issue with agents and pipelines in general, the root problem here. We're using the hosted agents. Cost isn't really the issue. It's building the agents and maintaining them. That's the issue, right? I have local self-host hardware I could use. I could easily, I have budget in Azure. to I could spin up a, an agent VM with no problem. No one's going to cry over a VM running for builds and releases. But it does take time to build and maintain. So I'm having this impedance mismatch because the, the hosted agents are really good. They're, they're really nice. They're all set up. But when I run a self-host agent, I can run anywhere from four to five to sometimes 10 times faster, um, excluding the actual deployment time. Because once you then start deploying to Azure, there's this inherent limitation, 
expectation, depending on what you're deploying, whether it's a database versus the website, right? There's there's just inherent time there. But the actual build and compilation and getting all things packaged, I can make it go faster on my fast machines with SSDs and all those good things. So I guess what I'm getting at is it's one thing to sit and pontificate from the stage, but you really have to pull that great consulting phrase out of your pocket and say, yes, it does depend sometimes. There are best practices. There's things we believe to be good and true and that in the long run will be better for you. But it's hard sometimes when you're facing that friction. And unfortunately, you can't mitigate. Like right now, we're getting close to shipping. So I'm not about to mess with my pipelines. I'm not going to take the time to build some agents and set up and test and do that right. I'm going to stick to what I have. But it's frustrating when I'm sitting there going, okay, come on, baby. One more time. Let's just make sure it's all good so we can let the users have it. So I guess my big thing is I love the cloud-hosted agents, and we have these in Azure DevOps, and same thing with GitHub with the, the, the hosted runners. But there's times when daddy can't beat his SSDs, his big processors, and big RAM. And and I agree with you. And and one of the things that I tell customers is there's that trade there's that trade off of having the hosted agents and not having to worry about maintaining them versus speed and access. And honestly, having a self hosted agent can make it easier to debug issues in the build sometimes because you can access the machine directly. So there's a lot of reasons to potentially run your own infrastructure if you're willing to do deal with the overhead of having to maintain it. But I will point you to, you know, state of DevOps reports and other things that do show that all of these things, while it may be increasing some of your time initially, is ultimately going to make things better for you. And you know that. I know. It's just sometimes it's easy to 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 shift gears when your focus maybe is writing code more than actually doing the dev stuff. Cause it's very easy when I come in and, you know, we did this. We in fact helped a customer earlier this year before COVID where they were using self-host agents. And in fact, by having self-host agents, we were able to debug much easier. We found some problems and we got their builds working much more efficiently. But uh, it's easy to do when you're focused on the DevOps part, it's easier to be more firm. I find I, I start finding wiggle room for myself when I'm the dev. <laughs> and that's oh, bad. When, I'm, when, when I'm writing my own code, uh, I'm the first to admit I, I break half the rules that I tell other people they're supposed to follow. And I, I've, I need to probably stop that, but I'm just as guilty of it, which means everyone else is doing the same thing. Right. It's that, it's that parent thing, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Right. Or why? Because I said so. <laughs> exactly. So that was, so that was I, the big thing. Pain. Yeah, it was, it was just that impedance there. And then it does mean though, that probably once we get through this alpha release that next week, I'm going to set up a couple self-host agents just so when we get to some of these situations where, you know, it starts adding up, right? Multiple builds, multiple pull requests, and you're doing these multiple releases that you want to find ways to get it just a little bit faster. Sounds like a plan. So, Mickey, what can't you let go of this week? Oh, Brian. Oh, Brian. I... There are very few movies that I have ever wanted a sequel to. Or, or just had to see the sequel to, like, more than anything else. You know, 
Star Wars is one one of those series. Is Star Trek is probably one of those series. Is but there is a movie coming out that would make me break my COVID to go see, and luckily I don't have to. Can and I that guess? Movie, you can try. It's in the show notes. Well, what I see in the show notes is not, unless that is, is, is chocolate chip cookies a movie? No, 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 no. I changed it on you. Oh, you figured, okay, well, hold on then. So I'm going to go wild and crazy and say the show, the movie you're waiting for is, is the movie a sequel? Let's, let's do one question for me. Is it a sequel? Yes. Maverick. Good guess, but no. All right. Well, then I give up. What town, when I came to visit you, what town did I tell you I wanted to go see? Oh, you, you're waiting for the new Bill and Ted's movie, Bill and Ted Part 3. Bill and Ted Part 3 comes out in September, and they had, they've released two trailers for it. It looks awesome, and they're going to go direct to where you can rent it day one versus having to go to um, the movie theater to see it. Ah, uh, okay, well, then we should consider a watch party because... Right. This is for those of you who don't know. I live in Southern California. I live down the freeway from where Bill and Ted's excellent adventure was purported to take place. They did some filming in the local area, but some of the things like the ball, I think, was done in Phoenix. I mean, there's some there's some artistic license, but obviously, it's San Dimas, California, which is down the freeway from me. And I am Bill and Ted's excellent adventure holds a special place in my heart. Bill and Ted's bogus journey is a good movie. I don't care what people say. And I I can watch those movies again and again. Those are the kind of movies that I can just turn on in the background in the hotel room or anything else and just, just let them run. And I am just super stoked. I can't tell you how many times I've watched the trailer. It, it's going to be awesome. So remember, everyone, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Oh, that's totally awesome. What about you, Brian? What can you not let go of this week? Okay, so chocolate chip cookies was a diversion. Exactly. Okay. Um, So for me is, I can't let go of the things that didn't happen in the last week. So we had planned for some summer fun. And I found a few years ago, we started taking vacations in, in context. Some people might say I'm a workaholic and that I have some issues. Um, so <laughs> Mickey's saying he'd say that, but in either case, um, we had done some planning at the end of last year, first part of this year in 2020 to do some stuff this summer. And we had three events that would have been in the last week that all got canceled. The first was we were going to see Hamilton live as a family at the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles. That was canceled, and they gave me my money back. Thankfully, Disney and the folks broadcast it, so we got to see it. And one thing I'm happy about, in all honesty, can anybody hear me? No, my family can't. Good. Is that I'm glad we did it at home because I think I saved a lot of money. If we go see it live, it'll just be me and the missus. Maybe my daughter. My daughter's question, I got to talk to her. But my son, forget it. He can stay home and play Xbox. 
and my mother-in-law, forget it. Okay, that's number one. Number two, last Saturday, I was supposed to be at Dodger Stadium rocking out to Green Day, Fallout Boy, and Weezer as part of the Hella Mega Tour. That has been postponed, so I have not gotten my money back, and I'm hoping that in 2021 I'll get to see that. And then the next big disappointment is for the little girl inside, for me, is we had bought tickets for the whole family to go see, that's right, folks, Taylor Swift. That would have been Sunday night at the new SoFi Stadium down near Inglewood, which is the home of the Los Angeles Chargers and Los Angeles Rams. And I'm, I'm in mourning, folks. Now, thankfully, Taylor did release a new album. I have to say, I haven't had a chance to really give it a good listen yet because I'm still stuck on Lover, the previous album. But I'm looking forward to enjoying that, and I thank her for that. Again, she also did I'll Give You My Money Back, so hopefully I'll get to see her in 2021. So what I can't let go of is, I want my damn concerts back, Mickey. I want to be able to go in public and not have to worry about someone breathing on me and killing me. So there you go. Oh, one last thing. Saturday, we watched another James Bond movie. And the interesting thing about it, it is the last James Bond movie I had never seen. At this point now, I've seen all the movies at least once. Which one had you not seen? Turns out I had never seen Tomorrow Never Dies. What? I know, the one with Terry Hatcher? Yeah, it just, um, it's it's kind of a weird one. The, the, the villain is kind of Steve Jobs and a little bit of some media mogul mixed in. Yeah. It 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 wasn't you know necessarily the best, but yeah. Well, I love the BMW, the 750. Oh, it was amazing to the point that my son said, "You know, I'd like to get a driver's license so I could do that." Now he didn't want to drive the car for real; he wanted to drive the car from his phone. <laughs> that makes sense. Knowing your son, that makes sense. Yeah. So at this point, the rest of the there's two more Pierce Bronson movies we've seen. I've seen both of those, and then we've seen all the Daniel Craig ones. Um, except, of course, for the new one that was supposed to have been out already this year, but is now in a holding pattern, and I'm worried it's not going to come out until 2021 as well. So that's what I can't let go of. All right. Well, let's wrap this puppy up, Brian. Where can people find you if they want to know more things about you? Blog.brianrandall.com. Find me on Twitter, at Brian Randall. And always email R at mcwtech.com address in the show notes mickey where can we find you at you can find me at my website mickeygousset.com also on twitter at at mickey underscore gousset you will take the underscore away from me out of my cold dead hands at my email address mickeygousset at github.com and at youtube at youtube.com slash mickeygousset just check the show notes otherwise you'll probably misspell my name And where can people find out more about the show, Brian? We've got the website at devops.fm, at devopsfm on Twitter, or we would love some email from you. So send us email to the show at devops.fm. As always, thanks for listening, folks. Have a great day, night, morning, wherever you are. Be good humans. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. It is now the after party.
which will be a relatively short after party because Mickey and Brian have to do a top secret, super duper secret, super secret project. Secret, 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 secret project. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Name that movie or keep book. It, keep it secret. Keep it safe. Yes. That would be Lord of the Rings. Right. Specifically. Specifically Fellowship of the Ring. There you go. Okay. Just... And who says that? To who? Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Gandalf says it. To? Oh, you just watched the movie, so that's cheating. <laughs> no. I'm assuming he says it to... Wait. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. I can't remember. I want to say Frodo, but that's too easy. Frodo! It is Frodo. Is it, okay. Is it Frodo? That seems a little yes. too easy. Yeah. Anyway. Have you have you read the books? Yes. Um, a long time ago, I can pull up my tattered copies. Uh, I read them. My uncle, Raleigh, gave me the set when I was, I'm going to say 11. He gave me the set. What's interesting is he gave me the set for the Lord of the Rings, but I did. he didn't give me the Hobbit, and he didn't even tell me to read the Hobbit. He just had me read Lord of the Rings, and then I read the Hobbit after. Speaking of the Hobbit, did you ever see the the, the rotoscope version of the Lord of the Rings? You know, you, you, ever, you ever see the, the, you saw the animated Hobbit movie? Yes. Which you can buy, and it costs like 80 bucks on, on Amazon. It's insane. But then they made, like, they made the first part of the Fellowship of the Rings, but they did it with this whole little rotoscope kind of kind of animation and it was just at the time when i was a kid it was freaking amazing i'll try to find some links and put them in the show notes because i found some links to it on youtube at one point and it was just the, it was just really really cool i've wanted to rewatch the original hobbit but i'm too cheap to buy it for 80 dollars yeah that's that's pushing it you'd have to really really like it all right well let's get out of here so we can do our super secret project sounds good goodbye everybody Bye, everybody.